Good morning. Hey, good Tuesday morning to you. I'm so glad you stopped by. I hope you got your cup of coffee and your virtual donut. And let's enjoy the morning together. Hey, have you heard the new term called slow living? I guess it's the new phrase um, for the millennials. And yeah, slow living. And slow living is really reevaluating your life, your career, and your home life. To me, it's having a balanced life. A balanced life. You know, years ago, I used to think that I had to save the world. I had to work, 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 do, do, do. And it was my job to take the weight of the world on my shoulders. And then I realized it's not my job. I play a part, but it's not my job to save the world and be busy. You know, even Jesus in the Bible took time to set and visit with people. You could read that in the Gospels. Mary and Martha and his friend Lazarus, um, that, that he visited with people. And he slowed, he, he, he wasn't a, living a fast-paced life. And I think because often, you know, as a Christian worldview, we read scripture and we're supposed to do this and do that. Don't do this and don't do that. But do, 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 do. And But if you take the whole of scripture, you know, a wise man once said, it takes a whole Bible to make a whole Christian. Meaning I think there's a lot of wisdom from Genesis to Revelation um, about living out life and then living out the gospel in the New Testament. There's a lot of wisdom. And uh, I think, um, oh, I forget the guy who said that, but it takes a whole Bible to make a whole Christian. Tozer, A.W. Tozer said that. And, you know, I think that I have to give some credit to millennials. I think you guys are starting, you guys have benefited the older generation, and you're teaching us something. I know a lot of times you guys get a lot of criticism um, being the millennials, but um, I'm kind of proud of you millennials. I think you millennials are, are teaching us old dogs some new tricks. Um, being a, a kid coming out of the 80s when it was uh, – you know, the decade of decadence and greed. Greed is good. Um, I think you're teaching us 50-year-old people and 40-year-old people some lessons that it's not about consuming and greed and wanting more. It's about time. It's about time and a balanced life. I think that's why so many people today want to work from home 
because it's allowing them to be comfortable. It's allowing them to have time at home. It's, it's, I think it's been a good thing. Now, I'm not commenting on that this should be a long-term thing. I don't know. Businesses need what businesses need. But I think we're learning something through all this. And I think the millennials have really taught us that we should slow down. So the new term is slow living. And what really, in a nutshell, what slow living is, again, it's reevaluating your life. And trying to balance your life between work and home. And deciding what's important to you. What is important to you? I mean, if, if, if you're, you know, a big, huge go-getter and you can't sit still and you like to make, uh, you know, the big audacious goals and, and, conquer goal after goal after goal because it's in your DNA, then that's fine. I mean, we're all built a little bit different. But if you're doing it just to do it and you're missing out on family and friends, um, maybe it's time to ponder, you know, what your values are. So I'm finding that Millennials have said, look, I want, I, I don't need the American dream. I don't need a big house in the suburbs. I don't need the, the, the fanciest car, the latest um, gadget. Well, I don't know about that because they all love iPhones. But um, as far as... They don't need the biggest and latest and greatest. They would rather have quality time with family and friends rather than working two jobs and coming home late at night, have three three hours at home, you know, and then hurry for bed and get up and go to work in the morning and do it all over again. I think... Millennials are teaching us to go back to the front porch. Go back to front porch living and maybe get to know your your neighbor. You know, it it used to it used to be where um you could talk to your neighbor and, and and you could just relax and not have a places to go and things to do. And you could sit out on your front porch and talk to your neighbor, have a glass of tea or lemonade and and enjoy each other's company or or go for a walk with one another. But instead we've built this idea of capturing the American dream of having the biggest and latest and i need i need the new tv i need the new car i need the the bigger house and and you're working your life away for things and you collect things 
that you don't need and that's going to end up in a yard sale or it's going to end up at the thrift store um, years later. It's funny, um, Dixie and I were out of the thrift store this past weekend and uh, we found an item at a local thrift store and we knew without a doubt it was our item we had donated to the thrift store years ago, years ago. And it's still there at the thrift store. And I can remember when Dixie bought this item, how we how we had to have this item. Oh, it was so cute. It was the greatest item ever. And oh my gosh, it was nothing was made like this before. And uh, it was a great item and we had to have it. Now it's been sitting in a thrift store for years now and no one else has bought it. But um, it, it, it's, it's amazing how much we, we give away time for stuff. You know, like um, I was taught at a young age, when you go to buy something, Ask yourself, how many hours am I willing to work for this item? How much of my life am I willing to give away for this item? You know, it, it's if you look at it that way, it, it, I think it. I think it helps give a better perspective. You know, if you, the next iPhone that's going to come out, probably $1,300. I don't know what they are anymore, but, you know, so for $1,300, how much of your life are you going to give away for that $1,300? Are you going to work an extra couple hours um, to pay, pay it off? You know, are you going to volunteer to go in for the weekend to uh, help pay off your, that iPhone? Or whatever your item is, yeah, I think I think it's good to reevaluate um, what we want out of life. What are we willing to give away? Are you willing to give away quality time with your spouse or children to have another thing, to have another item? You know, boy, we work so hard to collect things and then shortly the things are gone. The things are gone. Hey, let's take a break and we'll be right back.
You know, I remember my childhood pastor kind of preaching a couple sermons similar to what we're talking about today. Not exactly, but similar. And I remember him preaching on the story of Mary and Martha and about busyness. And not that there's anything wrong with being busy, but just how, well, how how when Jesus visited Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Um, I was going to try just to read the story and uh, just to kind of share, but allow me to go back through some childhood memory. And uh, let me just play this old clip. Now, this clip is very old. Um, my childhood pastor has long passed away, and um, there's no copyright on this, by the way. And um, let me just play, if you want to bear with me, if you guys want to bail out, because it's going to be a little bit long, um, no problem. But uh, take a listen as my childhood pastor um, shares his interpretation of uh, when Jesus was in the home with Mary and Martha. We find a story here today where Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, who lived in Bethany, were very special friends of Jesus. And every time he came down from Galilee, the Jews in those days would not go through Samaria the short way. They went around by Jericho and down to the Dead Sea and up to Jerusalem. Just before you get to Jerusalem, the little city of Bethany, on the other side of the Mount of Olivet. And Jesus and his disciples had a habit, unexpected, unannounced, just walking in because they were such friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. It was Lazarus who died and Jesus raised him from the grave. But one day, Jesus and his disciples came up these sandy hillsides from the wilderness country came into the city and I'm sure their feet were dirty and their feet needed to be washed. They'd perspired in that sun and the heat of Palestine. They said, there's where they live and it won't be long. And suddenly they burst into the room. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus had company. Company they were not expecting. So two things happened. Mary wanted to hear about the miracles. Mary wanted to hear about the fulfillment of prophecy. Mary wanted to hear about the blind eyes that had been opened, the deaf ears that had been unstopped, the demon powers that Jesus had freed people from and cast out evil spirits, and people were new people. She wanted to know what's taken place. She wanted to have Jesus tell her firsthand what an opportunity. She may never have this opportunity again, but she's got it today. Jesus is here, and I want to hear all about it. So she followed Jesus into the other room. I guess the living room, we call it. That special room down in Arkansas, they used to have a living room. You didn't go into the living room unless company came. Everything was just in place, just right. That living room was for special people. And Jesus went into the living room. And there he sat down to rest his body. Mary came and I guess that his disciples all being there, there must have been at least the 12 and Jesus would have made 13. There could have been 15 or 20 of them. There wasn't enough seats. 
So Mary insisted that they take the chairs and take the seats. And she went over and sat down on the floor as close to Jesus as she could get. And she said, Lord, tell me more. Tell me about the kingdom of God. Tell me about the miracles that's been taking place. She wanted to hear all the things about God and about his kingdom and about the ministry that Jesus was having throughout the land. And Jesus began to pour out these wonderful stories and the fulfillment of prophecy and what is happening. And these are the days that's prophesied. And she sat there spellbound and enjoyed it. Her sister was more interested in feeding that bunch of hungry men than she was hearing about the spiritual things and the miracles. And so Martha went in shining her crystals, getting her silverware just right, throwing the pots and pans on. And I imagine Lazarus was outside chasing the old red rooster. They had to have something for dinner. This bunch that's broke in on us here has got to be fed. And she was ramrodding the whole thing. Reminds me of Maudine. Got to be involved in everything. Care what it is? If it's raising the grandkids, she's involved. If it's changing a door on the church, she's involved. If it's painting a car or a bus, she's involved. And some people like that. And this was Martha. She was involved. She wanted everything to be just right, the dinner to be just right. She wanted everything to happen, and she was in there just going to town, just working, perspirations coming off her brow. In a little bit, she peeped through the door, and there sat her lazy sister, Mary. Sit down on the floor in the front of Jesus. So suddenly she burst into the room, and here's her words. She said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister have left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. And you would have thought that Jesus would have complimented her. Said, you're great. You're doing a good job. That's nice of you to be interested in feeding all of us, and we appreciate it, Martha. And Mary, get up and go help her. But Jesus didn't do that. He rather rebuked her. He said, Martha, thou art anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. You're troubled about all of dinner. You're troubled about Lazarus catching the old red rooster. You're troubled about shining the crystals and putting things on the table. And don't you know, like I read here, life consists of more than the things that we eat and the raiment we put on. Life has a spiritual part too. Your sister's chosen that spiritual part and it shall not be taken away from her. He as much as said, go on back in the kitchen and get busy with what your mind is on. But Mary could care less. The dinner can wait a while till I hear what's been happening. Till I hear about the ministry that's going on. I'm interested in that. Now, why did Jesus rebuke her? Not because she was a bad woman. She was a good woman. Not because she liked any devotion to Jesus. They'd criticized Jesus Christ in the temple. They'd criticized Jesus Christ in the synagogue. They'd criticized Jesus Christ among the scribes and the Pharisees. He was a man that was talked about and ridiculed. 
But Martha had been willing to take the reproach she had to take by opening her door and inviting Jesus in. She loved Jesus and she was a friend of Jesus. He didn't criticize her because she liked devotion. Not because she was an industrious woman and active and involved in activity. God knows and you know that dinner must be taken care of and the house must be cleaned and certain chores and work that we must do. Jesus is rebuking her because of one thing. She's become a slave to the things that she has to do. And they've kept her from the better part of her life. They're good men, good women, good young people that's listening to me today. But you're so involved in your money making in your business and seeing that things go just so-so. You're so involved in your housekeeping and fixing dinner and entertaining people that everything goes just so-and-so. That you have no time for Bible reading, no time for prayer, no time for church, no time to do the Christian service that you ought to do. And Jesus would rebuke you. Not because you're a good person. Not because you're doing good deeds. But because you have not given spiritual things first place in your life. Ladies and gentlemen, life's a lot more complicated now than it was when Jesus was here. Oh, there's so many more things to worry about. Just think of them good old days when they didn't have any water work so they had no water bill to pay. They didn't have any electricity so they didn't have all these gadgets to break all the time. They didn't have any washing machines to get broke down or any dishwashers to get broken down. Just think of them good old days when they didn't have much to worry about. And the more a man has, the more he worries. The multi-millionaire's got more worries than anybody else in town. He's worrying about getting another million, and he's worried about somebody getting the million that he's got. He's worried. I saw a little cartoon one time, snaggletooth boy in a pair of overalls, and he was sitting there and he said, what, me worry? Worry about what? Now, I don't want to get that far off, and I don't mean that, and I'm not inferring that. We should be concerned over things, but that should not be number one. What would have you done if you'd have been at Mary and Martha and Lazarus' house and Jesus would have come in? Would you went in and got ready to feed them real quick? Or would you have said, Jesus, did you cast out any evil spirits this week? Jesus, tell me something about the miracles, the lame that walked and the blind that would see and the dead that you raised. Tell me all about it. How do I know but what he'd come down from Galilee through Nain and he had met that widow woman that her son had died and he restored the dead. And Mary was sitting there listening to Jesus say, there's a funeral procession and everybody's crying and a poor widow woman's son had died and he's taking him out to bury him. And I went over and I raised the dead and gave the boy back to his mother. Brother, that's exciting to me. But would you be in running the rooster down to kill it? Would you be in shining the dishes? Or would you hear about the miracles first and after a while say, you know, we've had a good spiritual feast. Don't you think we better feed the body too? What comes first in your life? And that's the message. The danger of becoming a slave to the things and the work that you and I have to do in this life. Listen to me today. I want to talk to this church. 
I want to talk to the squire. I want to talk to the singers that stood here and sung a while ago. I want to talk to the ministers. I want to talk to Rex Umbard. You say, oh, I've got to go to a choir practice. Oh, I've got to go to Sunday school meeting. Oh, I've got to go to visitation. Oh, I've got to preach today. Oh, I've got to go sing. You mean to tell me there's something else that's more important than your preaching? Something more important than you singing under the anointing of the Holy Spirit? Something more important than you visiting somebody and helping them pray through and find Christ or visiting the sick? Can you think of anything that's more important than being in God's house on God's day? Then if you've got something that's more important, you're exactly like Martha. You're cumbered about and troubled with many things. God comes first and then all these other things will take care of themselves. We as ministers, I've often said, can get so heavenly we're no earthly good. We can live up in a cloud and in doctrine and in all our Bible and all our scripture and all of our holiness and walk right on by a world that's on its road to hell. Peter and John had time to stop as they go into a prayer meeting and heal a man that lay by the gate called beautiful. The businessman with his tensions and his demands, but because of those demands and tensions, he has no time for God. He's too busy. He's cumbered about too many things. Young people go off to college and rather than get an education for mind, body, and soul, a complete education with some moral value as well as some mental value, we find them get so involved they have nervous breakdowns in getting an education. They have moral breakdowns in getting an education. They get excited about drugs. They get excited about narcotics. They get excited about leading parades of some kind. And they lose out completely for they have no time for prayer and Bible study and going to church and serving God. Your education's in vain without God. Martha did not possess the ability to be a good host. The ability to be a good host possessed her. I'm going to repeat that. Martha did not possess the ability to be a good host. The ability to be a good host possessed her. And I hope in life that God comes first. And things do not trouble you and encumber you until you have no time for the spiritual part. Even good things are a sin if they rob you of your spirituality and being interested in the things of God. The ability she had drove her to anxiety and troubled her and worried her and disturbed her. Jesus said Mary's chosen the good part. It's going to go be taken away. When we get through talking about spiritual things and rejoicing in the Lord, then we'll think about dinner, but not until. Hallelujah. Preacher holds a meeting five or ten minutes past the noon hour and you get ready to get restless and say I got to get my dinner on time. I wish God give us an old fashioned Holy Ghost God sent soul saving devil hating sin killing revival until we get in this place and not go home for days. Worship the Lord and praise the Lord. You say we starve to death. Some of us need to starve a little bit. Starting with the platform. No one has ever been happy in just things. But I can show you people that are happy in God and in faith and in serving the Lord. Solomon in days of old acquired more than you'll ever acquire in gold, in silver, in palace. He had a thousand wives. 
And he said, all is vanity. And I don't blame him. The first duty of man is to fear God, serve God, trust God. That's man's first duty. And how we need to reinforce that today, the scripture I read about a man who built his barns and gathered in his goods, and then God said, Thou fool, tonight thy soul is required of thee. Now what's the cure for this slavery to things? Mary had no anxieties. Mary had no trouble. Mary had no sadness in her heart. She wasn't worried about nothing. She just sitting there at the feet of Jesus, drinking it in with a smile on her face, maybe tears running down her cheeks because Jesus was telling her of the miracles that had been taking place and telling her about the things of God. And she was not sad, not worried, not troubled, not disturbed. And oh, in this day, we need that time. We'll sit at the feet of Jesus and have communion with Jesus and talk to Jesus until all around us is forgotten that we can have some security and some peace in a troubled world. We need it today. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. It's dangerous to get off course a little bit. It's dangerous not to give God first place because there's trouble coming. And in that hour of trouble, if your goal is not right, if your attitude is not right, if your faith and dedication is not right, you're going to run aground. You're going to have problems you can't cope with. And I'll tell you, there was problems coming in a few days, for Lazarus died. And what good would killing the chicken and washing the dishes and setting up a nice dinner do in the hour of sorrow? But I believe that Mary had acquired something on the inside that Martha didn't have. For when Lazarus died, we read that Martha ran out and met Jesus, still anxious, still worried, and said, Lord, if you'd have been here, our brother wouldn't have died. But Mary had so much faith in Jesus that she stayed home. He said, where's your sister? She said, home. Well, go call her and tell her I'm here. And he went over and he raised the dead. It does make a difference what your attitude is in the real questions of life as what your attitude is now as you travel life's pathway. Shall we bow our heads, close our eyes? While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, how many people can truthfully say, Rex Humbard, I have that peace, I have that assurance, I have that hope that if today my heart would have quit beating right now and I had to go out into eternity and meet God, it's not a doubt, not a fear, not a sin, not a habit, nothing between me and the Lord. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt I'm ready to meet the Lord. How many have that peace? May I see your hand? You may take them down. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I'm going to pray a special prayer now. For every man, for every woman, for every boy and every girl that could not lift your hand then. You say, Rex, there's things that trouble me and I'm anxious and worried and disturbed and I need peace. And I want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt if my heart would have quit beating or the Lord would have come, I'm ready. And I could not lift my hand then, but I'd like to be able to. And as you pray this special prayer, pray for me. How many would like to be included in this special prayer? Lift up your right hand to Jesus, way up high. Lift him up all over the room. Let us all stand, please. I told you I was going to pray for you. 
And I'm going to pray for you now. While the choir sings, I want every person that lifted a hand and said, Rex, pray for me. I want you to step into the aisle and come and kneel at this altar so I can pray this prayer together with you now. Every person lifted a hand. Step right into the aisle, please. Come right here to the altar and kneel, and we're going to pray now. Come on. Come on. Hey, thanks for sticking in there and uh, allowing me to go down memory lane. Um, I just couldn't, I couldn't say <laughs> uh, the way my childhood pastor uh, explained about things and uh, putting God first and the spiritual things of God first and that things aren't bad. But when you get them out of whack, then that's when your whole life can get out of whack. And, uh, yeah, so I'm, again, I'm just uh, thankful that I see the younger generation acknowledging that things aren't the most important. Um, Now if we can just get uh, the younger generation, um, bring them back to salvation in Christ and uh, make them hungry for the gospel. But hey, I, I'm glad you stopped by. Thanks for uh, entertaining me with your uh, patience. But uh, hey, I wish you a great um, Tuesday. Um, love somebody today. Bye-bye now. Do